The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, folks. So glad to have you, as always. We've got a show that I think is touching a lot of lives in America and around the world. We're going to be talking about the environmental triggers that may be causing a a huge and exponential spike in the rate of autism amongst our nation's children. We're joined today by two very special guests who know this issue inside and out. Uh, We have Rita Schreffler. She is the Executive Director of the National Autism Association. And we have Mark Blaxel, who is the Editor-at-Large for the Age of Autism. Um, They both are parents of autistic children, and they know uh, these issues both from their own perspective and also from the perspective of many, many other families who are living with autism, and we're going to be exploring. I mean, sometimes I I love the way that my husband helps me bring everything back to uh, what we're doing with Go Green Radio. He asked me this morning, how does autism relate to going green? And I said, well, that's a great question, and I'm going to answer that right up front, and we'll answer it throughout the show. But by and large, the answer is pretty simple. We believe, many people believe, that there are environmental triggers, things outside of our children's body that may be contributing to autism. And we're going to talk about that more today. I'd like to welcome Mark and Rita to the show. Welcome to Go Green Radio to you both. Thanks, Jill. It's good to be here. Thanks, Jill. We're excited to be on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you both, and, and I, I really am thrilled that you could join us. I hope that we can shine a floodlight on some of these issues that it seems to me have maybe not been well uh, exposed in mainstream media, and we're going to be talking about that. Now, at the end of January, I did a show on the environmental uh, contributors to autism. That was with the editor of E! The Environmental Magazine, and then four days later, uh, Autism was all over the news because of a court case involving a gentleman by the name of Dr. Wakefield. Um, I'd like to first talk about Dr. Wakefield's study and what it had to do with its relevance to families living with autism. Mark, could you kind of bring us up to speed on that initial study that Dr. Wakefield did? Sure, Jill. Um, the study that everyone tends to focus on is a, uh, a short paper that was published in the English journal The Lancet back in 1998. Um, it was a very limited paper. It was called An Early Report, and uh, many people have misleadingly called it a study, as though it was kind of a double-blind placebo-controlled investigation of, you know, of treatments and, and, and safety issues. In fact, it was just a case series report, uh, which in the medical literature is something much more modest and, and claims far less. So that was published back in 1998, and it described 
uh, a series of children, uh, all from England, who had simultaneously uh, had um, autism, a diagnosis of autism or pervasive developmental disorder, which is commonly known as the autistic spectrum. Uh, bowel disease issues, uh, serious you know, issues with their gut and, 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 and their bowels, and also had had some exposure to the measles virus, most of them reporting a regression uh, after exposure either to MMR or uh, mostly the MMR vaccine. And so that, that case series report you know, was published. Um, interestingly, Wakefield has published widely on autism and gastrointestinal issues, so there is much more science, much, uh, a lot of it replicated, a lot of it controversial, but for some reason everyone in the media has become fixated on this single individual study because there has, there's been this proceeding in, in the U.K. Uh, by the General Medical Council. It's not actually a trial it's conducted like a trial, but it's not a, a court case. It's a, a professional uh, fitness to practice hearing, uh, and, a, and a lot of that focus in, in, in that in that proceeding has been on the Lancet paper. Well, and you know, here's what a lot of us who perhaps don't have family members with autism or aren't dialed into the autism network, what what we may not understand is. What that report that was published in the Lancet? What did it set off? I mean, why was it so controversial? Well, I think one of the things that it set off was this chorus of support from the autism parent community, because so many of us, uh, myself included, have seen just the same pattern in our children. So this case series. Uh, wasn't isolated. It wasn't unusual. It wasn't odd. In fact, it was you know it, it was influential and, and uh, attracted attention because thousands of families around the world said that's happening to my child too. Um, so you know many many medical journal articles just sort of passed without notice. This was one where a whole community of patients said, "Wow, this is important." And, and a journal like the Lancet is is publishing. Just what I'm seeing in my child, um, and and you, if you go to meetings, Jill of autism parents, and Rita, you could expand on this too. They talk about the bowel, you know, the bowel issues of their kids. We, we have you know sessions with hundreds and thousands of people that attend. You know, you go to autism parents, and you go and you hang out in the bar at the hotel after some of these meetings, and people mm-hmm. are talking about stool tests and diarrhea and <laughs> just wonderful things, um, and. It, it, it touches us because this, mm-hmm. and it's not every autism parent, not every not every child has bowel issues. Nor did Wakefield uh, and his team claim that, but it's a very common pattern. Regression um, is a very common pattern. Bowel disease is a very common pattern, and, and this study spoke to the community. That's why it's influential, and that's why it's important. Um, I and, see. And, um, so that's enough on that. Well, and no, it's it's certainly not, and we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into this. Yeah. But Rita, as I understand it, and you correct me if I'm wrong, when Mark talks about regression, does that mean that your the, the child was uh, meeting milestones for uh, you know average development, things that the pediatrician tells you by this age they should be doing, and then after these vaccines, there was regression that the parents noticed something 
turned a corner, something changed. Is that what that means? Right. Uh, yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. And we hear this story time and time again from thousands of parents across the country. Um, same story of a healthy baby uh, developing normally, meeting all the developed milestones on time, ahead of schedule, everything looks great, and then suddenly you see a change. You see a, a regression. You see previously acquired skills that disappear. Speech and language can disappear. Or we also hear reports of just radically changed behaviors, uh, crying, lack of sleep, and just uh, suddenly your world is, is turned upside down. And it's sadly a very, very common story. Well, and we're going to talk about this later on in the show, but... Um, to a lot of parents, you know, parents today, especially in America, we've all been through public education. You know, we, we are well-educated in, in most areas of the U.S., and, and we're smart. We're good child advocates for our children. Um, we can participate in their well-being and in their health regimen probably more than we've ever been able to before because we have so many tools and so many resources uh, at our disposal that we can really be great child advocates. And it's amazing to me, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, that, you know, there's so much research uh, funding going into the genetic aspects of autism, yet so many parents have talked about, you know, nothing whatsoever being present at birth to suggest autism, yet after some environmental exposure to something outside the child's body, this, you know, amazing shift. And I think that's really something very important to look at. But back to what kind of got us together, um, as soon as this uh, proceeding, we'll say, and I, I apologize, I said court case, but as soon as this proceeding with Dr. Wakefield uh, was made public, the mainstream media exploded. I got a CNN uh, alert on my BlackBerry, and everything just exploded. For several days, everyone was talking about Dr. Wakefield and autism. And, Mark, I know that you were on Fox News. I saw you on uh, Megyn Kelly's show, and you were quoted in several media sources. How did you feel that the media handled that particular story? Yeah, and I also wrote a, uh, an editorial in USA Today as well, Jill. That's right. Um, That's I, right. I thought this was, you know, a classic case of a media frenzy uh, uh, and a herd mentality, um, probably, you know, influenced by a very active public relations campaign. Um, it, it seemed that uh, that particularly as the Lancet article was retracted, every newspaper all over the world knew about it instantaneously. So uh, I'm sure there was a degree of organization and planning you know, behind the public relations that went out. And the media uh, swallowed the, 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 the story hook, line, and sinker. Um, very f- I talked with a number of folks in the media. Uh, very few of them had actually read the paper by Wakefield. That's where I always start in any conversation with someone saying, have you read the paper? Did you see what Dr. Wakefield said? Uh, generally, when people read it, they say, hmm, it doesn't seem to be the story that I'm hearing. But then, you know, they're, they're very, very rarely do they have the courage to stand up to the tsunami of coverage and resist the herd. Um, so, you know, generally, uh, you know, people are, first of all, they don't read the study. They accept the storyline, and they extrapolate 
they 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 go on to say uh, because this ha- the, the 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 issues have been cited decided by this professional group at the GMC, everything that this man. Andrew Wakefield has touched, is corrupted, everything that he has said, and the only, the only bit of support for a concern over environmental exposures, particularly vaccines and causing autism, uh, has, been, you know, has been completely removed. Everybody should go back, and, and we should kill the story once and for all. It's, it's the media uh, uh, abandoning its responsibilities in the worst form. I have never in my life seen a media frenzy that that equals this one and it was the height of irresponsibility I, you know um the press has really done a bad job on this one jill well if you had a chance to correct that that wrong and uh if you were in charge of the public relations that started the tsunami what would your tsunami message have been well first of all we do have uh, a website jill called the age of autism ageofautism.com i encourage your your listeners to go visit uh, and we regularly you know uh, offer a different view uh, with a lot of news and a lot of writing uh, and and we report on this story from the perspective of the evidence and the science and and the and the truth as we see it um, and so we we offer a you know a counterpoint uh, to the media frenzy and and, and it's an important one uh, we'd like well, and your to... website is very good. I'm going to encourage our listeners to check that out. Uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. But, folks, uh, if you would open a new tab in your web browser while we're on commercial break, you can Google Age of Autism and find exactly what Mark's talking about. I encourage you to do so. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio in just a few minutes. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Now, Mrs. Johnson, before we close on your mortgage loan, I want to make sure you remember Mike. Hi. You can trust me. I'm African-American, just like you. So here's the low monthly payments and interest rates we promised, and here's where they triple. The rest of this stuff is just here to make sure that we get your house when you can't pay us back. What a lovely house. Predatory lenders are never this easy to spot. Call us at 866-222-FAIR and protect yourself with the facts. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance and the Ad Council. 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Haiti has been hit hard by a deadly earthquake. Destruction is everywhere. Tens of thousands are feared dead and hundreds of thousands are homeless without food, water, and basic necessities. Save the Children is on the scene, but your support is urgently needed to help us save lives. Please give as much as you can now. Call 1-800-SAVE-THE-CHILDREN or go online at savethechildren.org. You can even donate $10 right now by texting the word SAVE from your cell phone to 20222. Please give now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we're talking about a very important topic that has really, really impacted uh, a huge number, a growing number of American families and families across the world, and that is the exponential rise in the instance of children diagnosed with autism. Now, some folks who are regular Go Green Radio listeners may not immediately appreciate the uh, correlation between going green and all the things we talk about on this show, recycling and that sort of thing, and autism, but it's pretty simple. You know, what, what sparked me to write the Go Green Initiative, which is now the largest environmental education program in the world, when I wrote that back in May of 2002, what really uh, fired me up in order to, to do the things that were necessary to get this program out is because my youngest child had asthma, and it was very clear that nobody else in our family had asthma and that it was caused by environmental toxins around her, and I had to be very careful about the kinds of things she was exposed to at school and out on the playground and what have you. And asthma is just one of many, many childhood health disorders, diseases, and conditions that parents believe are being caused by environmental toxins, in other words, things that are outside of a child's body that have nothing to do with the child's genetics that are causing our children to be sick. And today, 
We're talking about one of those conditions, and that, that is autism. We're joined today by Rita Schreffler, Executive Director of the National Autism Association, and Mark Blacksell, who is the editor-at-large for the Age of Autism. He's also one of the directors for an organization called Safe Minds, and I would definitely encourage you all to check out both of their websites. Well, Rita, before we took a break, we were talking about the case with Dr. Wakefield and um, all of the media storm around that that issue, um, you and I talked on that very day that the story broke, and you had some very even-keeled comments about why this uh, proceeding really had little bearing on what a lot of parents with autistic children are striving for, and that is treatment for their children. In the middle of a big mainstream media storm uh, that Mark described as a tsunami, and I think he's right, Over the Dr. Wakefield proceedings, you gave some perspective on why a lot of families with autism, uh, living with autism, might not see that case as all that significant to their daily lives. Explain that to our listeners, if you would. Yes, you know, there really was such a media firestorm over this, and unfortunately it focused on the wrong things, as Mark mentioned. Um, It's interesting that the Lancet paper didn't say that vaccines cause autism, but merely suggested that further study of the role vaccines might play was warranted. And the fact that even saying we should look at a potential link created such an uproar and a backlash is very telling about the feeling within the medical community. And I believe that um, both here and abroad, the medical community is made very uncomfortable when physicians and researchers ask questions about vaccine safety. I think it's easier for them to dismiss concerns they hear from parents who notice regression and illness following vaccines than it is to dismiss vaccine safety concerns raised by doctors and scientists. And I think there's a warning here, and I think that the warning is obvious. If you express concern about vaccine safety, you risk your reputation and your livelihood. And my fear is that, you know, these scientists and physicians that are willing to look at what some may consider controversial might be persuaded not to because of what happened to Dr. Wakefield, which was so unfair. And the result of that, unfortunately, is lack of proper research and treatments that would really help the kids who need it so much. And just the mention of the word vaccines in the same sentence with autism has been unacceptable to most of mainstream medicine, and that's just got to change if we're going to be able to help our kids get better. Well, and the bottom line is, hey, if there is no connection, then let's prove it. Um, But a lot of parents are seeing, uh, you know, something going on right after those vaccines. So if we're going to live up to society's obligation to protect children, which I think we all agree is a societal obligation, then let's just explore it. And if it turns out that there's no connection, fine. But let's let let science figure out the answer to that, not politics or uh, or corporate dollars. Well, let's talk about... The the, sure. the spike in the numbers. Yes, Mark, you Can wanted I make to just say one, one quick comment on that. Sure. And you're exactly right. Um, uh, one thing I, th- I think I just would like to make crystal clear to your listeners is Andrew Wakefield is a fine person, one of the most honest and high-integrity people I've ever met. He is courageous, and he is unjustly accused. Uh, and, and this phenomenon of intimidation that, that Rita described is very real. I've talked to numerous scientists who have been interested and supportive, interested in, in vaccine safety research, interested in environmental research, and they're scared to death. And mm-hmm. Andrew Wakefield's treatment and punishment is the object lesson here. Um, this is political. This is not about science. 
it's 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 a, a shameful episode in the history of the medical industry, and I wouldn't even go so far, reader, to say the medical community. Uh, I would say this is a medical industry phenomenon that is that is um, uh, that is at work here. Well, and let's be honest, it's not the first time that parents who were advocating on behalf of their children and the well-being of their children were spurned and uh, given a, a rough road to hoe by uh, some of the, the folks with a lot of control and influence in our society. Well, let's talk about the spike in the numbers of children with autism. Uh, from what I understand, Mark, it's prevalent in a very... Um, it's almost breathtaking way. What are the numbers uh, that we're looking at now? Breathtaking is right. Uh, just to give you an idea, uh, Jill, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I'm a, a white Caucasian male born in New Jersey. That is my demography. I didn't wasn't part of the Jersey Shore, but I was I was born mm-hmm. in New Jersey. And and when I grew up, uh, everyone around the world generally uh, thought of autism as this exceedingly rare. Phenomenon. If you ever put some numbers on it, uh, the first study in the U.S. put the rate at less than one in ten thousand. Some other studies would uh, later than that put it at one in five thousand thereabouts. It was very, very rare. Uh, the latest uh, surveillance coming out of the CDC uh, it puts the overall rate somewhere in the range of one in one hundred children, one percent of children. And in New Jersey, as just an example. Uh, if you were to do, if you were to take some of the statistics, and these haven't even been updated, uh, the rate of, of autism in New Jersey is higher uh, than the average around the country. And for people like me, you know, white Caucasian males born in New Jersey in uh, 1996 or 1994, excuse me, uh, or in the mid-90s, put it that way, uh, the rate of autism in, in my demographic group is 1 in 50. Uh, that's two percent of boys like me. Uh, it's breathtaking. Is the only is is the only thing, and it's new. Uh, in the le- that 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 number that spike in the numbers has come. Uh, you know, in in just the last couple of decades, if you were a, a young woman uh, or young family, uh, young married couple, and you're thinking about having children, uh, you should be scared to death of what might happen to your child because the odds of of getting autism are very very high. Well, let's try to make sense of this. How do we explain what, I mean, this, what we're talking about, those kind of numbers are epidemic, but we're not talking about a flu epidemic. You know, that's temporary. You're sick for a couple of weeks can be very dangerous. We're talking about a lifelong condition. Um, How do we make sense of those numbers? Mark, I'll let you take that and Rita, if you have any comments on that afterwards, go right ahead. Well, it must be, Jill, it must be man-made. There is nothing else that could explain uh, this dramatic rise in the numbers. Um, and, and it must have been a change in our environment, in the environment of young children, infant children, um, that, has, that has come on in, in a very short period of time. Uh, and I'll go even further than many people will say. I, I, it is virtually impossible to find significant numbers of children with symptoms that resemble autism before the 19 that were born before the 1930s. Um, people like to say, "Oh, these are just uh, nerdy kids, and we're just doing a better job diagnosing." Any 
parent who has a child anywhere on the spectrum understands that this is a serious disability. Uh, it's not just a charming uh, nerd syndrome that uh, you know that it's just a studious introverted child. No, these children, the vast majority of them, will be uh, will be will need lifelong care, and you can't find. Uh, these children born uh, before the 1930s anywhere. Uh, it's a distinctive, a, a, such a distinctive profile. So something has happened in a very short period of time that is now affecting you know, 1% of children in some areas, 2% of boys, uh, and it's brand new. It, it must be man-made. Which means that if it's man-made, it can be man-corrected or people-corrected. Rita, what's your take on this? Well, I agree with everything that Mark said, and I think it's interesting to look at the rise in the numbers and chart uh, also the rise in the number of vaccines that have been given. I mean, they're they're in lockstep practically, and I don't think that's a coincidence, and I don't think that it's something that, that we can ignore. I know that in my generation I maybe had a, a handful of vaccines before I reached kindergarten, and now children that follow the schedule are going to receive up to 36 by the time they reach kindergarten, and this is starting often on the day of birth. And we've got to look at the number of vaccines. We've got to look what's in them. And, you know, when they contain toxins such as mercury and aluminum, I think they take a very heavy toll on the developing brain and the overall health of our kids. Well, I think, that's I think it's also, Jill, important to look at the broader environment as well. Uh, there are a number of studies that have implicated environmental mercury exposure uh, in autism risk. Um, uh, you know, studies that look at uh, proximity to coal-fired power plants, studies that look at mercury in uh, the ambient air, studies that, uh, that show the metabolism of mercury in, uh, in, in young infants. All of these implicate um, you know, a range of exposures which, um, you know, which could have been involved in this spike over the last couple of decades. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because so many times, um, you know, we've been hearing you know, as long as I've been involved in environmental issues about uh, the various effects on nature, on natural resources, but it seems like just within the last few years, we've finally begun to really concentrate, and I think it's come from parents advocating for the children, uh, on the human health uh, aspects of environmental degradation and pollution. And what's sad to me is that you know, it's the children who are really bearing the brunt. Um, so I think we really must, uh, like I said before, society has an obligation to protect children, and so I think we really must band together and look at these environmental toxins that may be harming our children's health much more closely. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we'll have more on the environmental triggers that may be causing this exponential rise in children's autism. So don't go away. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. We are joined today by Rita Schreffler. She's the executive director of the National Autism Association. They have a great website. Google National Autism Association and check it out. Um, we're also joined by Mark Blaxel, who has been quite a voice in the autism advocacy uh, arena. You will find his work at the website Age of Autism. You'll also find some information um, and an organization, and their website is called Safe Minds. So do be sure to check out what they have to say on, the, on their websites. Now, if you're listening today to Go Green Radio and you say, wow, this is a great episode, I really wish that some of my friends or family or associates had heard this broadcast, don't worry, because we're syndicated on the Green Talk Network for Voice America, and we are on every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern time. So if you want people that you know to tune in to this episode, just let them know that next Tuesday, uh, if they go to voiceamerica.com and click on the Green Talk Network, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, they can hear this episode replayed at that time. Well, Rita, you and I talked on the 
day that uh, the proceedings for Dr. Wakefield were announced to the media. And uh, you said, I asked you at that time, Rita, what's your biggest fear right now? And you said that one of your fears is that people will continue to believe that autism is simply a genetic disorder that we really can't do anything about. Talk to us about what you see in terms of research dollars and the focus on genetics versus treatment or prevention of autism. Sure. You know, unfortunately, I think there's been uh, far too much uh, emphasis on genetic connections when other areas are so much more promising, and especially when you consider you can't have an epidemic that's purely genetic, and we do have an epidemic. Uh, we've been down that road, and the results uh, have not been uh, of much use to parents that are trying to find treatments for their children. And with so many kids affected, again, we're talking about 1%, we need to put that money where it's going to do the most good in the fastest way possible. And, um, you know, there's just not enough action or funding going into the areas that could lead to better treatments for our kids. Mm-hmm. Mark, I'd like for you to weigh in on that issue as well. Where do you think the research dollars that are available for autism should be going? And uh, if they're not going in the direction that you think they should, who or what is standing in the way of that? Well, um, this is one of the most obvious questions that you can imagine or the most obvious answers you can imagine. What's standing in the way, it's, it's obvious the money should be going into environmental causation. And things like genetic environment interaction, to the extent that we, you know, we do see that there may be a role for, for genes in autism, it would be in, in the presence of and in interaction with environmental toxins and other exposures. So that's obviously where all the money should be going. Uh, what is standing in the way is a failed scientific orthodoxy that is locked onto with a religious zeal to a set of beliefs that have been consistently proven wrong. The, you know, the, the prevailing scientific community that has worked in autism for decades has, you know, has a set of doctrines that, that they believe in, that autism is 100% genetic, it's inherited from, from the parents, that everything involved in autism is in the genes, that the rate of autism is constant, uh, and that there's nothing that you can do uh, except, you know, uh, some, some, some particular forms of therapy. All of that is wrong. Everything that we're learning, you know, in the last 20 years, uh, you know, in terms of what's happening to this generation of children, demonstrates that that orthodoxy is wrong. And unfortunately, the people that, that run the money uh, at NIH on this issue uh, are, are in thrall to this ancient doctrine and resist any change. So, you know, the, the research issues are political. And, as a, and because they're enthralled to this doctrine, everything that they've done is failing. We've been spending millions and millions of dollars on genetic research on autism for decades, and we have absolutely nothing to show for, for that investment. As a parent, as a consumer of that research, I, I'm, I'm, I'm appalled at the low productivity and the low return on, on the taxpayer investments that are going into that. It's obvious where the money should be going. And, and parents have been, have been, we've been going to Congress, we've been sitting on committees, we've been you know, doing our best, but it is incredible, the political opposition to environmental research on autism. It, it just, it, it's staggering. That, that's, that's a pity. We need to change that, and uh, I'd like to help. <laughs> and I know that my Go Green Radio listeners will as well. 
You know, speaking of healthcare, healthcare reform is one of the biggest stories in the U.S. right now. Rita, I'm going to let you weigh in on this first, and then Mark, if you have something to add, we definitely want to hear that too. Do you feel like current healthcare bills are adequately addressing the needs of families living with autism? And what about future costs? Is there any public policy out there that's in the works that will address long-term care needs for autistic children as they and their parents grow older? No, uh, actually, I'm not aware of anything out there. There's not nearly enough for kids and families doing with autism at this point, and, and it's frightening when you consider that around 90% of people diagnosed with autism are still under the age of 21, and I believe society is just completely unprepared for the influx of people that are going to need round-the-clock care as these kids grow up, uh, aging parents, <clears throat> excuse me, will no longer be able to care for them. Uh, this is going to be very costly, and excuse me, taxpayers need to be aware that the lifetime cost for those who will need this type of care is estimated at $3.2 million per individual. Those are frightening and staggering numbers that we are not prepared to deal with. So something's got to change. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, and I'm just thinking of other issues that we know we have that are going to have a long-term impact on healthcare dollars, like, for instance, childhood obesity. I mean, it's hard to find a publication that doesn't have some kind of a PSA, public service announcement, to reflect, hey, if we can reduce childhood obesity, the long-term healthcare costs will be lower for America, and that's good for everybody. You don't see anything like that about, hey, if we can prevent autism, look at what the long-term benefit to taxpayers who may not have an autistic family member, you know, there's a benefit for everyone. Mark, give us your input on this whole issue of health care reform and, and what have you. Well, Jill, I'd like to just, I like to tell the story about health care reform in terms of two very specific um, health care policies and initiatives that we've seen. Um, yeah, and I start by saying many of us in the autism community were unhappy with the Bush administration and their responsiveness to our issues and concerns and, and held out high hopes for the Obama administration. And I have to say at this point, um, I'm deeply disappointed in the Obama administration and how they've approached this. And one example of this is, you know, what the Health and Human Services Department has spent its first year working on. If you were to say, you know, what's the single initiative that you have seen the most of from uh, HHS in the last year? And I think, you know, that answer is uh, absent the legislation that's mostly coming from the, you know, in, in, in the legislative branch. But uh, absent that, the single most important health care initiative of HHS is what? It's, you know, the swine flu. Mm. Every week, every day, we have seen that we've been pelted with advertisements and, and, and news reports and, and news releases all saying that this is going to be the worst thing and, you know, this, it's a pandemic, it's a crisis, everybody needs to be vaccinated, we all should be very, very worried. And this was the mildest flu season in years. <laughs> Good we point. spent billions and billions of dollars on a non-problem. By contrast, you know, the Obama administration has had been sitting on both the Bush and the Obama administration. The failure here is bipartisan. Um, have been sitting on surveillance data on autism that's been collected by the CDC. We, you know, in the autism community, we watch this very carefully. When are the numbers going to come out? Uh, many, many years after the fact, the numbers are released. And this year, uh, the CDC re- released their most important autism surveillance numbers um, on. Um, 
on the day maximized to to bury the media coverage. The, 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 the official CDC announcement of autism rates of you know, roughly 1 in 100, actually 1 in 110 was the average um, in this particular announcement, um, that study was released on, the, on Friday afternoon, uh, the day before the Christmas holiday. Oh, boy. Yeah, everybody in PR understands that means it was meant to be buried. What a pity. If we want to trust the administration to yeah. be the stewards of our country's health care and health care policy, at one level you have to ask, and, and, and everybody wants more health care for more Americans. We want to bring health care costs down. But if we say, you know, here's, here's the Obama administration, these are their priorities, and here we have an epidemic that's going to cripple our health care system for decades as these mm-hmm. children are in lifelong care, and we have, you know, uh, and it's ignored, and then we have a non-event which is, you know, the latest, you know, uh, flu season in which they're, right. they're spending billions of dollars and paying all of their attention. The priorities are completely out of whack. How can we trust that? We need to run to a commercial break, but you make a great point, Mark. Folks, we'll be right back with more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Hi. My name is Aaron, and I'm a survivor of mannequinism. Mannequinism is basically when you turn into a hard plastic shell. They say it's from not being politically active. For me, it started when I didn't register to vote. And then I stopped volunteering, and before I knew it, I wasn't doing anything. And that's when I found a small patch of plastic on my right shoulder. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The Interstate Sportsman Talk radio show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today's show is really hitting at the vortex of what wakes me up early and keeps me up late every night, uh, thinking about why we need to protect the environment, why we need to clean up uh, the environment around our children, and that is to protect children's health through environmental stewardship and to keep their, their environment healthy and safe um, and to keep them healthy and safe. And, and our guests today are talking about a failure in that in that process, a failure to keep our, our children safe from environmental harm on an institutional level. And, and I am hopeful that after we end this episode today, that action will be taken and that more people will get involved in helping to ensure that uh, families living with autism and uh, children who are yet to be born will be protected uh, from autism and that we can come together as a country and really address these issues and figure out what it is outside of our children's bodies that may be harming them and causing uh, this, this just devastating condition. I, I want to ask you both to weigh in on this. Rita, we'll start with you. Based on what you know about autism, and you're a parent uh, who has autistic children, do you think that autism is preventable? I do. I believe that in most cases it's preventable, and I believe that it's also treatable. And, again, there are just too many parents out there telling the same story over and over of healthy children developing normally and then regressing. Now, something has to be happening to cause these regressions. I'm, I'm not aware of anything in our history that has recorded this type of phenomenon among our children. And, um, you know, when you see the same thing over and over, you realize there has to be something in the environment that is going on. And, you know, when we do look at these kids medically, and we get them the treatment for underlying pathologies and abnormalities, often they do improve, and some even lose the autism diagnosis altogether. I'm hearing more and more stories of this type of thing. It's very encouraging. As a, as a matter of fact, one of my two kids that both had an autism diagnosis at one time uh, is now recovered. My 17-year-old son no longer has that diagnosis. So I, wow. I know that this is possible. I know it's treatable. That's wonderful news, Rita. That's very encouraging. Mark, what's your feeling on this? Do you believe that autism is preventable? I think autism is a man-made disease, and so by definition it is preventable. Uh, We can take away the environmental exposures that are provoking it, both in, you know, in... uh, uh, postnatally in children and uh, protecting children in the womb, because I do believe there are some children that are affected in the womb. Um, and uh, you know, rates were below one in ten thousand, uh, not very you know in 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 our lifetimes, and they should go uh, clo- as close to zero as we can make them uh, as soon as we can possibly make that happen. I, I think that's an absolute uh, must. Uh, our children deserve our best effort. Now, uh, Mark and Rita, I'm going to allow you both to, to comment on this. Rita, we'll go with you first. For Americans who may not have family members with autism, what might you say to inspire them to help your organization in its mission? 
Well, you know, with the numbers being so high, nearly 1% of we, as we've mentioned, of our nation's kids having autism now, if people don't have family members affected, they probably have friends and neighbors who do. And, you know, it's becoming greater. Um, it's a greater burden than just among the families affected and in our school systems. Uh, these kids are getting older. Again, they're, they have aging parents. In many cases, they won't be able to take care of their children when they become adults. It's going to become society's burden, and it's going to fall upon taxpayers to address. So really, this is everyone's business, and everyone needs to be aware, and they need to get involved. Mark, what do you say to that? Uh, I support everything Rita said, and in addition, I would say, that I, I think autism is the canary in the coal mine. I think we are dealing with a much broader dysfunction. Uh, as a father, as a citizen, I am deeply moved you know, by the need to take action. I, I think this is a social problem. I think we all uh, need to be doing something, and I, I think we need to take back our, uh, our stewardship for children from industry. Um, I think one of the things that discourages me the most is the power I see of the medical industry, of uh, the chemical industry, the, the coal industry, to influence science, to influence the interpretation and, and, and dissemination of science, and to basically take it away from parents, citizens, uh, you know, conscientious medical scientists, uh, and, and, and basically uh, put it in the service of products and policies, you know, products that are profitable for the companies and policies that are, that are uh, you know, the, the, the foundation for the careers of bureaucrats and, and, and uh, you know, orthodox scientists. I think we need to recognize that, you know, this canary is dying, and it's a, it's a larger problem than just, you know, 1% of families, as if that shouldn't be enough. And, and we, ought to, we ought to be saying, you know, uh, uh, we don't want Big Brother. We don't want 1984. We need, you know, we, we need uh, truth and, and, uh, and good health for children and good stewardship for future generations to guide our policies and our actions. And it's a gut check. It's a, it's a wake-up call, I think. And, and if you're not supporting autism, if you're not outraged about what's going on in autism, uh, you're, you're missing the most important uh, issues fa- facing the future. Of, of our country. Well, what you're suggesting is not just advocacy, it's the democratization of healthcare. <laughs> I mean, power to the people. We have public education in this country for a reason. It's so that we have an intelligent and empowered electorate and an intelligent and empowered citizenry to create the systems uh, of government and institutions around us that are by our design. You know, it's as old right. as the old Lincoln phrase, government of the people, by the people, for the people. Same thing in healthcare. And so what you're suggesting, Mark, I think, is, is really something that a lot of Americans feel uh, akin to, that, that idea of the democratization and, and our say-so in, in what is around us, our well-being and the institutions that serve our well-being, especially for our children. Well, I'm going to, to end with one last question for you both. Um, if every Go Green Radio listener decides right now to join your cause, what's the number one thing they can do to help you and to get involved? Rita, you first. Well, you know, there's so many ways to help. Uh, first of all, education is so important uh, about what's happening to our children. These people, anyone that wants to get involved is welcome. We, we need all the help we can get to speak to legislators about the autism epidemic. With so many kids affected, it truly is a national emergency. It is a health 
crisis. We need our legislators, health agencies, physicians, researchers. We need everyone involved in this. Thank you. Mark, last 30 seconds are yours. In addition to that, Jill, to your point earlier, we are a consumer movement. And so what I would say to your listeners is we, you need to be responsible and educated and informed health consumers. So you need you know, to uh, ask critical questions. You need uh, not to defer to powerful people in the medical industry. Uh, you need to read science. You need to inform yourselves about science. And, and then do something. Uh, different Thank people, you. every single listener might be able to do a different thing. Uh, but do something. Be informed. Get involved. Uh, don't sit back. Uh, join the movement. Thank you so much. Mark and Rita, you're an inspiration to parents everywhere who really want to be involved and do great things for their children, protect their well-being. And I really appreciate you being on Go Green Radio. Folks, we'll be back same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. So be sure to join us then. And until then, Go Green! Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.